It was about 12 years ago. I remember because the Olympics were in that summer. We were in, we had just moved to Irving, Texas, my wife and I. We, we had lived in Mesquite, the other side of town, and we were just moving over. And uh, one of the things that we really wanted to see were the Summer Olympics. We really enjoy the Summer Olympics, especially because of the track and field events. So we had actually gone out and purchased a little TV just so we could watch the Olympics. So we got it. We, we were excited. We, we saw many of the events. We, we especially liked the sprints. But one in particular really intrigued, especially me, is watching the relay events. And uh, if you remember back to what happened that year with a 4 by 100 it was something to remember. Because the, the Americans in this relay, the 4 by 100 had basically owned it for the entire century, both for the men and the women. They had won the majority of both of those events. And what happened was there was something that broke down in the relay for the women. This was in 2004. The past that they were trying to make just didn't happen. So they couldn't complete the race. They had the best qualifying time. They were the best team. They were the fastest team. And yet they couldn't complete it. And you'd think that they would learn their lesson because four years later, they were given another opportunity. 2008. And again... There was something that broke down because instead of winning the race, which they were supposed to do, the pass was supposed to happen and hit the track. Not only did the women drop it, but the guys did too. Neither one of them finished the race. And... This was a disaster for the American team. And they said, never again, never again. Surely we won't have this happen again. And they've gone through all these different ways. You know, Do you pass it up? Do you pass it down? Do you push it to the next person? This relay race was a good reminder, not only for them of the importance of passing on, but for us as well. Because what many of us don't realize is that we're actually in a relay race too. For those of us who have trusted Jesus, for those of us who have become part of God's family, who have become children of God by placing our trust in Jesus Christ, we also have been given a baton. We might not realize it. But we'll see today that Paul reminds us of the fact that we've been given a baton too. That we not only receive, that we not only grip on to embrace and allow to change us from the inside out, but that must also be passed on. So turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Just in these two brief verses, we get this reminder. What do we do... To pass on spiritual truth. Having received this baton, now what do I do? What does that look like? What does that process look like? And he gives us a brief reminder. As you're turning there, I want to remind you of 
the context that we drop into here. From 1 Timothy, the first letter to Timothy, we get the backdrop of false teachers that have infiltrated the church. We're reminded of how Paul is instructing Timothy. He Actually, he drops him off at Ephesus on his way up to Macedonia, and he says, okay, we've got to clean up this mess. And I'll, don't worry, I'll give you instruction. He writes this letter to 1 Timothy, says, this is how you straighten things out. And Paul knew that this was coming. In fact, we see in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 to 32, uh, by the Spirit, he says, beware, there's going to be people that come in and they're going to lead you astray. And sure enough, they do. And yet, when we drop into 2 Timothy here, this is his second opportunity in writing to Timothy, where he says, Timothy, my end is near. Not only am I asking you to continue that hard work that you've begun, continue on in it. Don't give up. Because this is too important for you to stop, for you to turn away, for you to allow others who don't know what is true about Jesus and to take others away from him to win out. And he summarizes by reminding them in these two verses of two key points, one of God's power and the other of God's truth, and how that looks as it's played out. So let's read these two verses together, shall we? 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, did you catch where he starts? You'll notice in, in your bulletin that it's highlighted as a point. Be strong or be empowered by the grace of Jesus. Here we get the how. How does this take place when, when we're asking that question? Okay, Paul, now where do we start? How, does that even, how is that even possible? How can, how can we do this? How can we pass that on? Well, he, he points that out. In fact, he's, he's kind of sticking a finger in Timothy's face. You, emphatic, as he starts this, you, therefore, looking back actually to the verses right beforehand where he contrasts those who were faithful and those who were not. It was easy to capture those who were faithful. It was one person, Nesiphorus. He stayed faithful. He was one that, that stuck with it. In fact, he came and he found me out. He was able to, to minister to me. And all the rest, they deserted me. Timothy, don't follow their example. And then he says, my son, which literally is saying my child. It focuses on the fact of his spiritual birth, the one whom Paul had invested. And he, he points this out, not only here, but in, in chapter 1, verse 2 as well. Timothy, my beloved son or my beloved child to remind him of his spiritual birth in Christ. And it says, be strong. Be strong. Passive present command. It carries the sense of continual dependence on God. Or we might say, keep on being strengthened. Keep on being strengthened. There's a need for you to keep coming back to be strengthened because you don't have the strength to do it. And what is he to be strengthened in? What are we to be strong in? In grace. It says in the grace of Christ Jesus. So look back at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Talking of God here. 
God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. This is... This grace is how God decided to save us. It was not by our own human works. It was not by our greatness, nothing that we could boast in, but purely in his ability. Do you remember the verses that we just read from Paul's own testimony of his inability before God and yet God's perfect ability? This grace reminds us of our dependence on God. It's the default template for us as believers. Not only do we enter by God's grace, but we continue on by God's grace by grace through faith in Christ. We need his grace every single step of the way. And what does that look like for us? Well, he tells us just a few verses later in verse 14 of chapter 1. When he's talking about what has been given to him, it says uh, from Paul here, guard through the Holy Spirit which dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Words that sound very similar to what he's saying again here in verse 2 of chapter 2. Guard through the Holy Spirit. The grace of God comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Because when we've trusted in Jesus, we receive the Spirit of God never to leave us. And he is the person who empowers us to do what is pleasing to God. So what does this look like for us? Well, there's a great visual reminder that those in our children's ministry have been able to notice. And it came from a few weeks ago. Since this is family church, I thought we might reflect on this one. Who here has seen the fun fly stick before? Raise your hand. Okay, some children's ministry workers. I see a lot of kids with their hands up. Great. So, the fun fly stick is a great reminder for us because here we we get to see more of what we are like. We're like this flimsy piece of metal. Believe me, when you, when you see this, you're like, okay, there's nothing special about that. If I pulled with any pressure at all, I would rip this in half. This reminds us of our inability, this flimsy stuff. Goes onto the ground, doesn't do much of anything. And, and yet, when we... When we take this stick, which uh, has a rubber band inside, there's a little battery-powered motor, spins it around, produces electrons, which come down the stick, and then, and then they can actually jump onto this piece of metal. And then the, the charges from both of them will repel each other, and, and it uh, floats around in the air. So we'll see how it looks here. No magic. All right. This is science. Yeah. So uh, so when this flimsy piece of metal is given this tremendous charge and is strengthened, wow, it's taken off. Come on back. All right. See, when it's taken away, it's just this flimsy piece of metal again. This is a good visual reminder for us. See, we need to continue being strengthened because we don't have that ability. We, we can't do it. And under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and His careful hand, He empowers us to do far more than we're able to do 
The first of all is the fact that we can actually please God. And apart from this, we can't. Apart from his empowerment, we cannot please God, and even in the least amount of ways. And we're like this, sorry, little piece of metal. But with his empowerment, we can. And it's not just in the big things. It's not just in what's public and what's visible and what others see of us, but it's in the daily routine. It's what isn't seen by everybody, but is seen at home, maybe by your family. There's a great reminder that I have at home when I walk in the door many times at the bottom of the steps, and I've put it there. It's a reminder, it's a a little log for me, a little journal, you might say, reminding me of the different specific ways that I need God's help for that evening. All the different ways that for me to show what it looks like to have received this good news of Jesus, the gospel, and to embrace all that it unpacks in my life, this spiritual truth, and to demonstrate what that looks like before my kids and my wife, and and then to prepare to pass that on to them, I need his help with these details. I need his empowerment with even these small things. And it's amazing sometimes when I, I'm not having such a great night and I'm not responding to things well, the question that comes to me is, did you, did you stop downstairs to pray about those things on your list? I'm reminded of my inability, my absolute inability to come before God with what pleases Him, even in the small daily routine things that I have to have. In order for us to be empowered by God and to do what He pleases, we, we actually have to come to Him with the little things, the everyday, the routine things, for them to be a part of who we are. So what does he do to bring this about? How does he then help us in the moment? Well, many times the Holy Spirit then directs us to the word. Maybe something that we heard from a Sunday morning. Uh, Maybe another would be a passage that we had been reflecting on, maybe meditating on. Something that we had read read during our family devotional time, whatever it might be. See, the Holy Spirit, unlike our minds... um, our, our minds might be like a messy library where there's books stacked everywhere, all over the place. And, and you're like trying to track it down and you're I know it's in here somewhere, but good luck on finding it. The Holy Spirit's like the perfect librarian. can pick just the book that you need at the perfect time, pull it out and put it before you. And what he does many times is he takes the word and he brings it to mind right in the moment and helps you to respond rightly so that you can please him with his empowerment. So how is this, what Paul is saying here, helpful? Well, he's giving us the how. He's talking about the fact that we need to be empowered by the grace of Jesus in order to pass on what we have received. Notice where he leads to next. He gives us the what. What are we to pass on? It says, pass on genuine spiritual truth here. That might be the way that we could summarize it. Look at the verb that he mentions in verse 2. It says, the things which have been heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these. That verb, entrust, that's where we're getting this image of passing. This this verb, entrust, is, is talking about receiving something that's valuable and guarding it. Remember from verse uh, chapter 1, verse 14, where it talked about guarding that treasure? It's 
considering as something that has been entrusted to you that must be not only received, held on to, uh, embraced with our life, and then prepared to be passed on. So entrust these to faithful men who will then pass them on to others. So he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the truth from the apostles. We see that we see that term uh, in trust show up earlier in 1 Timothy. He talks about the glorious gospel in chapter 1. The gospel as opposed to worldly or empty chatter in verse in chapter 6. And then later here we see that it's all of what Paul had taught him publicly. So the things, notice the things he starts with here in, in verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these. So he is talking about the content that's to be passed along. What are these things? Well, we have 13 letters here in the New Testament that Paul has written that were a reflection of what Jesus himself taught. Here, listen in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Why don't you flip over to it? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. Because he talks about the same truth here. He says this, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, these sound words that he's talking about here, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. He's saying these sound words, these ones that I have said over and over again in different places, in different contexts, the ones that you've heard from me, the ones that I continue to ring the bell over and over with, this sound doctrine, this isn't mine. I didn't come up with this. These are from the Lord Jesus himself. And he wants us to respond to him in faith with these words. So how might... How might that sound as we, as we think back to some of the other key truths that maybe we've heard before? Well, Pastor Steve has mentioned from Matthew 28 how we're to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, talking about entrance into the Christian life, teaching them to obey all I commanded you. Interesting. Paul is touching back to this. Teaching them all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' representative, which is going to empower this work. He's talking about how we pass this on. So what might that look like? What are some of those key truths? What might we summarize those as? Take a look at your bulletin. Flip it over to the back. Some of the ones that he highlights that are key in his ministry are the ones that we hold very dear. The ones that we say, if you depart from this, you're in dangerous territory. Why is that? Well, let's hear what they are. Uh, first of all, the Bible is in the, the inerrant word of God. Jesus is the God-man. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. Those in Christ will be with God for eternity, and those apart from him will face his judgment, being accountable to him. And Jesus is going to return. When we talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what of those can we leave behind? Well, they all tie together. You, you see, the word of God, which is inerrant, 
spoke of this one who would come as a savior, who promised that he would deliver us from our sins and that he would do this by his mighty hand. And oh, by the way, there were many witnesses that saw this, his death and his resurrection. So what about this savior? Well, he had to be a human. He had to take on humanity so that he could die. Jesus himself died for us and he paid for our sins. But he rose again. He had to be God. He had to be able to overcome death and conquer it. Jesus is the God-man. Salvation by grace through faith. There's no way that we can work our way up to God. We have to be able to come to God through Jesus, this one Savior who was promised. And God is going to make things right. The person of Jesus is actually going to return to restore what he has began. He, He began the good work in us, And he's going to complete it when he restores all of creation. When we wander from those, we wander into dangerous territory. And Paul is saying, hold on to these things, Timothy. They're a trust that's been given to you. Pass them on. The things that were heard. These things mark Timothy's mind. This was an oral society. He... He would have heard Paul on many different occasions speaking uh, to churches, to to new believers in synagogues, these different places as well. So these were things that Timothy heard. He heard them over and over again. Remember that Timothy was Paul's closest companion. He joined him on his second missionary journey. He was with him in his first imprisonment, or he was there with him for much of his first imprisonment. He was his spiritual child. In fact, when, when Paul was talking about Timothy to the Corinthians, he said, follow his example. We'll look at a verse in just a minute that points to that. So what are we to do to hear what Timothy is hearing here? Well, this takes me back actually about 20 years or so. My, my father's birthday. My sister and I had a great idea we would take all of the points that my dad had made to us, all these different phrases that he had ingrained into us over the 20-some-odd years, we were going to write them down. So we came up with about 60, and we put them on a laminated page, and we called them dadisms. And we lovingly gave it to him. He started reading through them, reading them out loud. He started chuckling. And then he started bending over. He was laughing so hard. And then he was hysterical and he could barely keep from falling on the floor because he could hear his voice to us in these. And we could hear his voice to us through those as well because those had marked our childhood and we could see the different moments when he had done these. And uh, just to give you a sampling of of a few of these, I was going to put them up on the screen, but... I said, there's some things that need to remain locked in the Watson vault, never to come out again. (laughs) A few would be, quit goosenecking around. That was a good dinner, but my mom liked that one. Hut, that was mainly for me. I had to learn how to stand up straight more. I want to be a ten mina man. Think of that biblical image. The faithfulness, standing before God. I want to be a ten-minute man. When my sister and I would be talking with them, 
usually on our own, would say, well, we need to do this, we need to do that. And he would say to us, is there a mouse in your pocket? Who's this we business? And my favorite was, you have more excuses than Dones has pills. I thought for the longest time that Dones had a lot of different varieties of pills, but then I, actually this past week I went and researched and I was like, they don't. They really have kind of one that's good. And in the early 20th century, there was like millions of them, you know, back in kidney pills. So, But they had a lot of them. I got the point. You have more excuses than anybody. Uh, just about. Uh, my wife uses this one on me sometimes too. So not too much has changed, I guess. But it's amazing what we hear and we remember what was imprinted on our mind, because my sister and I, out of, out of nothingness, were able to bring together these 60 different phrases that were impressed on our mind because they were teaching us. They were teaching us about the world. They were teaching us about what, uh, how the world works and what was true in our life. And what we get here are reminders not too far from what Paul's talking about. The things that you heard from me, the things that were impressed and, and placed on your mind, these take and share with others. What are your dadisms? What are your momisms? What would your children repeat? Does it reflect what is true and what is right from God's word? Maybe there's something that you've placed for the, the family to think upon. Maybe there's like mason jars up that talk about loving God, loving others. Maybe there's a decal on your wall, one that we're putting up that reminds us something that we struggle with. Do not measure your day by how much you accomplish, but by how well you love. Maybe there's, maybe there's some questions that you ask your kids each night. That reminds them of the truth of the word, like a catechism. Something that will bring them back to this truth and that you go through and you help remember and you say, am I embracing this? Am I helping this embrace? Am I helping them embrace it too? Maybe it's a spiritual child. Maybe one that you've worked with in Awana. One that you've led to the Lord. And you have a chance to see them every week. You say, what's one spiritual truth that you have learned that you're putting into practice. I'm going to pray for you about that. And I'm going to talk with you next week. So be ready. I want to hear what God's doing in you through it. And you pray for them. Maybe you don't have the opportunity to get out as much. Maybe your body's failing. Maybe you have grandchildren and great-grandchildren that you can only speak to through letters. For them, do you take the moment to actually write the letter? Do you send an email reminding them of the spiritual truth that will nourish them and will point them in the right direction? And, oh, by the way, I love you so much and I care about you so much, I want you to hear this word. My grandma writes me every single week. She writes me an email. There are two things that I hear from her loud and clear every single week because she says it every single time. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. 
How much more so if we would hear God's spiritual truth being reminded to us in our care for those who are coming after us. We're talking about what is heard, what's imprinted on our mind, and what is passed on. And then finally, he gives us the who. Pass on that truth to others who will likewise pass on the truth. So look at the second part of that second verse here. It says, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We get it three times there. Faithful men who others. Those three different groups, which are really two groups. The faithful men or the who and then the others. So entrust these to one group who will then entrust them to another group. Uh, He brings these up. Specifically for Timothy, when he's talking about the faithful or the competent, because of the backdrop that they're facing. Remember, there are false teachers that he's speaking against. He's saying, make sure that you give this to people who are not going to turn away, who are going to be faithful, who will pass it on. Why? Because my end is near, your time is now, and their time is coming. So you've received, you're gripping, you're holding on to, and you're to pass forward to. Because you're not alone. The spiritual life just isn't about you. There is something more at stake here. Because we're all part of a relay race. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus, we are not our own. We're actually part of a relay team that has one of us has received, when we think about ourselves here, we, we grip, we hang on to, we embrace, we seek to live out. And then we pass. Paul talks about this in particular with an image in 1 Corinthians 4. I mentioned that we would turn there. So turn to 1 Corinthians 4. Just those first two verses in chapter 4. He's speaking here of himself, Apollos, and Cephas when he says us. Verse 1 of chapter 4 in 1 Corinthians. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. So he's talking about being trustworthy as a steward. He he considers himself as one who has received something that doesn't belong to him and yet is required to pass that on. What what are those things that he's that he's holding on to? The mysteries of God, sound doctrine, the truth from Jesus himself as we see in these other places. So what what does he encourage the Corinthians with? Look at verse 17. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy Listen to the language, same that we get in verse 1 of of, uh, 2 Timothy 2. Who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord? And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. He's saying almost the same exact thing that we see in 2 Timothy 2 here. My ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. See, follow what Timothy does. He's going to do what I'm doing, and I'm following what I have received. You do it also. 
So he talks about that initial investment into trustworthy individuals and then on into the next group, the others. He says it's not to stay with you, it's to be passed on. And he sets his eyes forward. You see that that simple, when we're looking at verse 2, that simple future term, will. Faithful men who will be able to, to teach others also is just a future, simple future tense here. Our eyes are pointing forward. One person that really helped epitomize this for me was Dr. Sauer. Many of you met Dr. Sauer because he was here for a Bible conference teacher about seven or eight years ago or so. And uh, besides his accent and the way that he talked, which many at Moody Bible Institute, those of us who had him, we tried to imitate him. Mm Mm-hmm, now class, now parse this verb perfectly for us. We, uh, we also enjoyed hearing his heart for the word, his heart for us and for passing on the truth that he had received. See, there are three things that stand out to me. One in particular was his deep love for God's word. He told a story for every verse of the Bible that, that he stopped and shared with us in class for. He would start every class with a devotional. It would usually be a verse or two, and he would have a story that connected to real life from it, without a doubt. And a lot of the students were saying, I'm just collecting up these verses because I think he's going to get through the whole Bible, and then I'll have the, the whole Bible explained here. But he would also tell us, you can take one verse a day from the New Testament and exegete it, that's unpack it and, and study it deeply, and you can be done with it in 25 years. So talk about having, having a mindset uh, of staying with it, just being disciplined, that type of thing. He said, you can even take holidays off. But that was what he did himself. And when he talked about uh, coming to the Word, he talked about being up early in the morning. He, he said, you know, he was starting at 4 o'clock, and, uh, and he was running out of time. So he just started getting up an hour earlier, getting up at 3 o'clock, you know, to spend his time in the Word uh, before he uh, shared with us and the students in class, that type of thing. Uh, not to brag, just to talk about you, you do what you have to do to get yourself in the Word, to allow it to change you, and to be changed by it so that you can pass it on to others. He lived a life of breathing, of, of uh, breathing and passing on that truth that he had received. He was always meeting with students, especially young couples that were looking for direction, because uh, he'd always talk about him and Sweet Sue, and and he counseled many of us, my wife and I included, about what it means to live out a life empowered by Jesus as a couple. And then he highlighted stories where others were passing on spiritual truth as well. He, he mentioned a number of times uh, different students who had, been, who had been making an impact for Jesus. And he talked about one young lady who was showing up. He was interim pastor at a church, and he, he noticed her there uh, one week, and there, there was another young lady with him with her. And then the next week, there were a couple more. And then the next week, there were a few more. And then there were a couple of rows. And then there was like a whole section of young ladies. This, this one young lady had been impacting for Jesus because she had caught the fact that this truth wasn't just to be held on to. It was to be passed on to others who would then pass that on as well. For some of you, you just got back from the Dominican Republic. Maybe you're tired. Uh, the youth and uh, those who, the adults who went with them, 
one of the things that we have the opportunity to do is not only share spiritual truth broad with those that don't know Jesus and need to walk with him, but we have the opportunity here. A few weeks ago, uh, for a few weeks, the children's ministry team was down with the youth, and we shared with them the importance that they they have because they can pass on spiritual truth to others as well in our children's ministry, those that look up to them, those who are hungry, who want to be to receive and have something passed on to them. So my question for you is, now that you have gone away, you have done this, maybe you return, you're fired up, you saw what God was doing there, will you do that here? Are you going to show up next week? Will you come and join us? Are you going to help pass it on? Maybe you say, I don't even know what that looks like, learning to be a pastor. Well, maybe it means going deeper, going deeper in the Word, being challenged, being held accountable at a level that that you hadn't before. I know some of our community groups starting in the fall are going to really press hard into that. What it means not only to come to the Word, not only to know other people, but to be held accountable to be held accountable to what God has called us to do. Because we have a responsibility before Him, not only for His sake, but for our good and for what He wants to do, not only in our life, but in the lives of others around us. Maybe there's someone in your family who you looked up to, who was a spiritual mentor for you. Maybe it's one that's past or one that's about to. Who will step into those shoes? Are you becoming the person that would be willing to pass on that truth to others in your family? Maybe you don't even know what that looks like. You're not even sure if you're on this relay team. One of the leaders from the church, one of the elders will be in the prayer room in the back as we finish the service, can talk with you about that and what it means to know Jesus and to walk with him. Our spiritual life, it's not all about us. It's not about our sin list. It's not about just keeping the bad things from happening. It's about more than us. You see, each one of us that have trusted Jesus have received this baton. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to toss it around? Are we going to play with it? Some of us aren't so good with it. Maybe. Have you received it yet at all? Are you looking to get a firmer grip on that spiritual baton that were to pass? Maybe your dadisms need to be more shaped by the baton that's been passed to you, the spiritual baton that's been passed to you. Are you simply running and have not realized you're in a race? Christian life is more than about each one of us individually. There's something bigger. Pass on spiritual truth to other pastors with Christ's strength. Remember, we don't have the strength to do this alone. Let's close in prayer. Father, we are reminded of our inability. Over and over again, we look and we see our inability to do what you ask of us. For many of us, we have received the spiritual truth, this genuine spiritual truth that you've passed on from the Lord Jesus through his apostles, 
to the earliest followers who then passed on to others who passed on to others and were reminded of this from your word. We ask that you'd help us to be faithful. We ask that you'd help us to have a mentality of a pastor that the spiritual baton is one that we don't take lightly, one that we want to not drop. I pray that you would help us to do that. I pray that you'd help us by the strength that Jesus provides. It's in his name we pray. Amen.